Annyeonghaseyo. Hello and welcome back to the Hello Taekwondo podcast, the podcast for passionate martial artists. I'm your host, Josh DeBerardinas. Today we're exploring cross-training in boxing, Krav Maga, and how it all relates back to Taekwondo and self-defense. Joining us today is fifth degree black belt in Taekwondo, owner of Monahan's Taekwondo in Grapevine, Texas, Mr. Brian Monahan. Mr. Monahan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Well, it's good to have you. Um, so, as uh, as some people listening might know, or I guess most of them might not know, but um, you um, don't just do taekwondo. Um, you have some experience with boxing, and um, also you guys at your school um, practice Krav Maga. Um, where do you want to start? Should we start with the boxing or the Krav Maga? <laughs> Uh, either one's fine. I guess we could probably start with boxing just because I started that when I was younger. Um, okay. So did you do boxing before you even started Taekwondo? I did. Actually, I, I started boxing uh, in my early teens um, just in coming from an athletic family. Um, my dad uh, was a professional baseball player. I was big into athletics and my godfather who actually taught me in boxing his name gene tortoris um absolutely both jumped in with both feet and said you know what we're going to make him the next champion now as as a youngster i had a lot of fun uh with the boxing side of it and learning from my godfather um but as most athletics usually see other teams and, and activities start pulling in different directions and um, fought for a few years um, as a teenager, but spent a good majority of my time playing football, baseball, basketball in high school. How long have you done boxing then? So how many, I mean, how many years has it been now since you've been practicing boxing? Uh, between my teen years and my adult years, I'd say between five and 10 years, it's getting, it's getting blending on me, but um, right. Just recently as an adult started fighting again uh, and just have a lot of fun with it. Awesome. So at, at what point did you start um, uh, Taekwondo and why? Uh, actually, I started as an adult uh, in my mid-30s. Um, it was purely by chance. Um, my athletic career was coming to and, and I played high level rugby for a number of years and um, it was just time to to spend time with family and um, not being on the road all the time. And I was looking for something to fill that competitive uh, physical gap that rugby had left. And at the time, golf was definitely not cutting it as much as I love golf. Uh, However, I was looking for something a little more fast paced and a little more competitive. And it was just so happened my daughter uh, was interested in trying Taekwondo, uh, but was nervous about trying it herself. And, you know, just luckily got up there and got to, you know, meet my instructor, Bill Mischke. And it was a beautiful thing because my daughter was nervous about going on the floor. And it happened to be a Saturday, which would we could do a family class together. And I just always said, you know what? If you want to try it, I'll try it with you. And absolutely fell in love with it. That's really interesting. I I, I think there's a lot of uh, stories I hear of 
of parents starting with their kids or starting after their kids. I mean, that happened to me basically where I, I started Taekwondo. And then after doing it for a couple of years, um, my dad uh, started uh, with me um, after having watched from, you know, the, from the wall, <laughs> you know, for years. Yeah. It's uh, honestly, as a parent, uh, it's some of my best memories. Uh, both my son and daughter, we got to train together and, um, it's in, it's an incredible bonding experience with your kids. That's, you know, something that not people can say they get to do. Oh, for sure. How do you think that, uh, the boxing, um, has influenced your Taekwondo maybe from the beginning? Did you find anything was harder or easier because you had that prior experience with boxing? Um, yes, a little, actually a little bit of both, um, from the boxing perspective, um, it allowed me to, uh, integrate some of my skills a little bit easier, uh, just simply cause I was, I was comfortable with being able to punch and control distance and so on. So it made it a little bit easier. Now, with that being said, the harder part was controlling the distance between, um, the Taekwondo and the, and the, and the boxing side of it is where I found the challenge. Um, as, um, with Taekwondo say a good 70% of what we do is kicks. And so your distance, obviously being at leg length, uh, versus boxing being at the end of my arm, uh, controlling that distance was a little, little challenging. Uh, however, I did find that the footwork movement and reading your partner's movements was a little bit easier. So in the regards of blending the two and how they affect each other, um, that was really as very beneficial. Interesting. Um, can you give us a little bit more on that? I'm really interested to hear. So what are some of like the, um, what are some of the fundamentals of boxing that might differ from Taekwondo specifically in, uh, can you tell us? Uh, uh, oddly enough, they're very similar. Uh, the biggest okay. thing is, um, defense is always a big part of what we do. Uh, both in boxing and in uh, Taekwondo. So that's a beautiful thing. So always protecting yourself, moving, not getting hit. Um, but one of the, the the better benefits that I see with many of the different Taekwondo arts is many people focus on the, uh, probably the showmanship. You, you find like a lot of the Olympic style, um, their kicks are very flashy uh, and can be very effective. However, don't emphasize using hands. Um, they don't I use think, their hands at all. Their hands are like down by their waist in the Olympic style Taekwondo specifically. <laughs> correct. Um, like I said, they, they have some amazing kicks. Um, but I think probably one of my biggest things as I was coming through uh, the ranks even growing up, uh, if I'm going to train in the style, I wanted something that was going to be useful for self-defense. Um, and that's Probably part of the reason why one, I want to train with the boxing and use that as part of my cross training. Um, but the style of Taekwondo that we practice is more of a self-defense style. Um, just thinking from a practical self-defense side of it and the training side of it. Um, if my, in a self-defense situation, if my kicks get taken away from me for some reason, I still have to be able to protect myself. And vice versa, if there's some reason why I can't use my hands for some reason, 
I need to be able to defend myself. So it's one of those things where the cross training side of it, I think we talked about earlier, um, really comes into play. And as we train, making sure that it's equally balanced between the two. And especially from a self-defense perspective, I can really see how um, boxing um, paired with, you know, a like a more stand-up kicking kind of martial art can be helpful because there's going to be a lot of uh, situations where you might have to defend yourself, but you don't have room to do a kick. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah, there's... there's it's usually with my my teenagers when we're teaching they they would like to do all the fancy things and we have to kind of circle back around and bring back the the conversation as we're talking he said yes those are cool they're great they look great however you know if you're at a cafeteria at school you're out with your friends somewhere and you're at a restaurant like a taco bell or mcdonald's and there's tables all around you can you defend yourself there that makes sense and that's that's usually when you see the light bulb come on yeah now, you mentioned earlier about um, one of the challenges being uh, like a distance control in the difference of like where you would position yourself in Taekwondo, you know, for kicking your partner versus boxing where you almost can just ignore their legs in terms of like an attacking implement. Um, can you go into more detail and like what what are some of the differences specifically in how you might set up the distance that you're looking for between Taekwondo and boxing? Sure. Uh, a little bit of the challenges are, are really footwork related uh, in the regards that um, with boxing, obviously you're face to face in close quarters uh, in the way I place my feet when I'm actually throwing a combination and being able to get out of the way without being hit. Um, whereas with using hands in the Taekwondo, I'm usually looking to move my feet to follow up with a kick of some kind. So it's usually where I'm placing the footwork uh, as I'm stepping in, I might have to step a little bit wider to throw a kick toward the head or toward the body versus if I'm in a boxing stance, I'm gonna step in just off, you know, just off of your lead foot where I can throw a combination in close and stay underneath the punches that you're gonna be throwing back at me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that that seems to make sense to me. Uh, I feel like a lot of uh, a lot of people that I know in Taekwondo, I, I know some fantastic uh, punchers <laughs> in Taekwondo, mm -hmm. but I also know a lot of people that struggle with that aspect of of sparring. Uh, more so, they rely on their kicks. They rely on keeping that distance. Um, would you recommend that other people uh, try out, you know, boxing to supplement their training, or like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, absolutely. Um, it's, it's, it's always interesting to hear, uh, other people's thoughts on things. And I know with, um, I, I love to sit down with, you know, many high ranking, um, black belts in Taekwondo. Um, I could just sit and listen for hours. Um, because, mm -hmm. you know, joking with a number of our friends is that, you know, you guys have probably forgotten more, um, than I probably know with my experience. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so I would just love to sit and listen. So it's kind of the same thing with our, my boxing coaches in the same regard. Okay. How do you adjust your style for a different type of sparring partner? Um, so I'm constantly asking that question of myself and my students when we're doing Taekwondo. Okay. How do you adjust your style with somebody who's much, much taller than you? 
or much more athletic than you or who just great big person that just freight trains forward. How do you adjust your style? Um, you know, I kind of asked the same of my boxing coaches and it's, it's good to hear a lot of the, the similarities. However, you know, some of the, some of the answers are, are different. So again, that's why it's nice to go back to, um, the cross training side of it, because you do get to hear another coach's perspective on things. Um, particularly somebody who's not trained in Taekwondo. Um, usually when you get a Taekwondo person that is good at boxing, they'll always put the Taekwondo spin on it. Um, you'll, I like to ask other people's opinion who have no idea what I get to do. It's almost, you get like a completely outside perspective. Um, cause they're not even considering, like if you ask somebody about boxing, who's a boxer and they don't know that you are that you do like maybe Taekwondo, they're not even going to consider the fact that you might be kicking. So you're going to get a whole different side of, of yeah, strategy compared to somebody who is, you know, more familiar with the kicking and punching together. Absolutely. Correct. Yep. So if somebody, if, if one of the students listening or if one of the instructors listening want to, you know, work more on boxing, but they don't have the time or resources to, to go out and get like formal boxing training or not formal, but, you know, go out to like a, a, a gym or, or a boxing school, uh, what are some things that they can maybe work on to improve their, their punches or their boxing um, kind of on their own? Right. Um, and that's a little challenging part because you do want somebody uh, very similar to to us in, in Taekwondo. You don't want them just going out and having a friend of theirs teach them in a garage. Right. Um, I know. I ask, I ask this question. <laughs> I ask this question. But if somebody were to ask me, I'd be like, no, no, no. You need to come to the school. You don't right. try to teach yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's kind of the things I'd probably look at, one, is thinking of it from a defensive um, mindset. Uh, most of the times people are all interested in hitting the heavy bag as hard as they possibly can. Usually their right hand is with a big right hand, so they always wanna get that one punch. One, uh, you really wanna think about your defensive skills. So keeping your hands in, um, turning your hands to hitting with a big knuckle in the middle, rolling that hand over so you could pop on it. More importantly, moving your head, getting that head offline. Um, that's usually the biggest thing that I see. People are way too comfortable with getting hit in order to hit somebody else back. Um, my my dad always ingrained that in me when I was when I was younger, just because I was a big kid, athletic all my life. And he was a you know, Brian, you got to remember, there's always somebody out there who's bigger and badder than you are. And he says. If you don't get hit, they can't hurt you. And that always stuck with me over the years. So if you ask if somebody just wanted to try something new, one, um, working on throwing punches in multiple combinations, very similar to the way we would in Taekwondo with changing your levels, going body, head, uh, throwing punches, um, but more importantly, getting that head offline and movement so that you don't get hit or get hit solid. What do you think people get wrong the most when it comes to punching? Because I feel like a lot of people in Taekwondo think that they're better at punching than they actually are, myself mm -hmm. included. 
the level of that I think I'm good at punching is probably way less in reality than I think that I am. And I don't think I'm that great in the first place. But I don't know. What do you think is the most common mistakes that people make when it comes to boxing and punching during uh, Taekwondo? Um, in the Taekwondo sparring, I think um, probably a couple of things. One is um, thinking if they actually make contact, that that's winning. Um, I'm more of the opinion of it's where it lands um, that determines whether you're winning or not. Um, so if you have, a, 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 you know, somebody throws a punch at you and it bounces off the top of your head, that doesn't hurt me. Uh, it probably hurts your hand more than it hurts me. Um, however, if you hit me, you know, square net T between my eyes and my nose, you've definitely got my attention or the jaw or anything like that into into my ribs. If I'm if you're really hitting me solid, um, you have my attention. I think lots of times we mistakenly say, oh, "Okay, I hit you on the headgear. I got you." Um, no, it's, I'm more interested in where I got you. Um, you know, lots of times in within our organization where we have our red headgear on, um, if I'm throwing a punch, I'll usually aim for that logo on the forehead just because I don't want to hit you in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have those little those little ear pieces that come down to the chin strap, that's usually where I'm aiming because that's where I would normally throw a punch if I were to actually looking to hit you. Um, on like the what the side of the jaw kind of area on the side of the jaw, correct? Okay, side of the jaw behind the ear. Uh, those would be areas that I'd be aiming for. Um, just accuracy and how I would throw things. So that's really what I would uh, focus a lot on, in my opinion, but. I think the other part of it is just being comfortable throwing the punches. Um, Cause I know we, we mentioned before that, you know, Taekwondo folks don't throw a lot of punches, but I would think just getting comfortable doing it. Uh, Cause many times those can lead you into the kicks that you are comfortable with. So just being able to throw them and throw them effectively to accurate areas will lead it into all the kicks that everybody's practice so hard. And I, I wonder, I wonder if just practicing punching more could also help because I'm thinking about it in my head and the amount of times that we practice a kick, right? The amount of times that we've practiced a sidekick are hundreds or, or thousands of times, depending on, you know, how long you've been doing Taekwondo, but we do practice punching, but I, I feel like it's, um, not as much maybe. Um, and I, and I say that just thinking about my own training and the fact that um, a lot of sparring that I see from people that might struggle with punching, it, it's almost like they are like when you come in close, they're almost afraid, not afraid to punch, but they they don't have that automatic reflex of boom, boom, boom. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I've trained for. Here's what I've practiced. Kind of like the opposite where they would have that training um, with like a, a round kick or a side kick or something like that, where there's like, they don't have to think about it. They can just, they do that, you know, front kick, round kick, but then you step in and they don't have that automatic reflex to punch. And so it feels kind of scattered or it feels kind of hesitant maybe. Uh, actually, that's that's pretty spot on. Um, uh, I agree because I think, I think we're, we're on the same page on it. Cause I know, uh, me coming from a boxing background, that's where I'm comfortable. Right. And usually that's where all my combinations typically will start is that I can get into that hand range and throw, you know, kicks from there. And I, I think probably, um, adding a hands section to the training is, is essential and, you know, feeling comfortable with it. Even if it's just something as simple as a jab cross combination, 
but just really feeling comfortable with throwing those. Um, I agree. I, I think inspiring people, if they, if they know you're good with your hands, they run from you a lot, but then you're going to get the people that don't know who you are and you don't know who they are. <laughs> right. You know, at, yeah. At, at that point, you got to feel pretty comfortable with, okay, I'm going to kind of test to see where we're at. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, one of my, one of the things I like to evaluate when I'm sparring is what are you good at? And what are you not good at? Um, so, you know, we'll take and say, if the round is two minutes long or three minutes long, I'm going to take that first 30, 45, maybe even a minute, um, to figure out what are you good at? You know, throw some things out there to see how you react. Um, but I want to make sure that as you're going, what do you react to? What are you good at? And then as we spar, I try to take those away from you. Um, if you're really good with a round kick, I'm either going to move in so that you can't use that round kick or I'm going to move in a direction where it's not effective. Same thing with your hands. I'm going to, if you're good with your right hand, I'm going to move away from that right hand. So it's just kind of a, a thing of being comfortable and how to take away some of a person's strength, if that makes sense. Oh yeah. I, that does, that makes total sense. Um, and I, I feel like to get comfortable with stuff like this, it just takes that repetition. And I think that uh, is where the issue lies is because um, practicing like just like a jab cross, it's not fun. It's not exciting, right? It, it, people don't want to stand there and do jab cross 50 times in a row. They, you know, you, you people want to practice the cool, fun things like 360 sidekick <laughs> and stuff like that. And it's the same thing. Uh, I was just, just, just the other week, I was kind of having this conversation with uh, with a black belt about um no 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 we are we're not trying to be fancy right now. I want you to like literally do like 30 30 sidekicks and just practice that motion, but the black belt really wanted to make it cooler and more dynamic and you know less of that fundamental. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well and that's uh, that's kind of the hard part of what we do as instructors is you know how do you make that fun especially cuz you've got um, such a broad range of students that are out there with you and, and in the black belt ranks, it's, it's a cool thing just simply because they've put in the effort to get there and they know what it takes to get there. However, it's the dedication of doing that same technique over and over again, you know, it's kind of try to drill into the heads. So, okay. You know, Bruce Lee always said, to be good at anything or any kick, you have to do it 10,000 times. Right. And, I'll, I'll typically ask my students that'll on certain days where they're being half-hearted. I said, "Okay, we got to do a reset here." Said, so "If we're going to do a kick ten thousand times, if we do a kick ten thousand times sloppy, what do you think we're going to be good at? Sloppy yes. kicks." Yes, exactly. <laughs> so it's it's kind of the same thing. So we typically have to do that reset every now and then. I said, "Okay, I know you're tired. I know you had a long day. However." Let's dial in and make sure this is good so that we can have that amazing kick or that amazing punch combination. So it's usually the the dialing back in of, okay, I know we got to do 30 kicks, but make, make all 30 of them as best you can. Right. So, yeah, I totally feel that. Now, I'm really interested to get into um, another part of, of – um cross training or supplemental training that that uh you've gotten into which is krav maga um now 
I I don't know a whole lot about it. I I I know a very very limited amount about Krav Maga. So can you explain it for for me and for any of our listeners at home and kind of what is it and what are the core ideas of Krav Maga? Sure, it's um, so Krav Maga is basically it's a hand to hand self defense system um, that the Israeli military, uh, special forces, police force all use. Um, it is their go to training method. Um, it was started back in the 1940s. Um, Emi Lichtenfeld started he's just as a Hungarian Jew um, with Nazi Germany on the rise, needed to figure a way for increasing levels of Jews being disarmed or just not wanting to be armed at all, how to defend themselves. And it was based on um, basically simplicity in disarming someone um, where there, frankly, there are no rules. Um, it's a defense system that in a self-defense role, I'm going to leave this engagement alive is the, is the end goal. So from right. a military perspective or the training perspective, um, if you hear a lot of the IDF trainers, they'll say is to kill their opponent. Um, I'm not wanting to do that for my students since I teach the <laughs> civilian version of it. Right. Uh, but it's a matter of, of going home at the end of the day. So with the thought process of I'm going to do whatever I have to do to go home safe to my family, there are no rules, which means I'll hit every joint I can to break it. Uh, kick to the groin, solar plexus, throat, eyes, nose, um, and there is no rules to it. Now, with that being said, the the art or the the system itself is based on a lot of muscle memory. Um, so the defenses that we work on um, are repetitious. So we talked about the thirty sidekicks earlier. Right. Um, the muscle memory of Krav Maga is very very similar. Um, so if you come up to me and you stick a gun in my chest or you point a knife at my chest, my defense for that is going to be exactly the same. Um, the only difference will be is where I grab the weapon or if I grab the weapon. So a gun, I'll grab the weapon, a knife, I'll grab the hand that holds the weapon. Um, my defense is against a big overhand right looping punch is very similar to if you have a stick and you're swinging a stick at me. So a lot of it is just based on simplicity. Respectfully, uh, I have to I have to uh, inquire about the weapon uh, disarming um, part of it because I feel like in the world of martial arts, um, weapon disarming um, is kind of it kind of has a um, rightfully or wrongfully so it might have just have a bad reputation of being a pseudo martial art and not Krav Maga specifically, but mm -hmm. there, I mean, how many, how many uh, compilations have we seen online of, uh, <laughs> of silly weapon disarming techniques where, you, you know, you got three people, each one has a knife and you're like, I'm going to do these four moves on this guy and then this guy and this, and, and I'm not, I'm not making any claim that Krav Maga is that I'm just, am, uh, you know, asking, um, what, uh, how how do you feel about the weapon disarming aspects of it? Um, because it, sometimes in some arts it can get silly, but um, from what I've seen of Krav Maga, it, it looks a bit more down to earth in how it approaches it. But what would you say? 
absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. If you, um, I've, I've spent way too much time watching some, uh, heavy on the air quotes, self-defense videos online. <laughs> and, um, it, it bothers me to, to the regard that these people are putting it out there thinking that's an effective defense and they're going to get somebody hurt or killed. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, I guess one of many things that I like about the Krav Maga system is that it's proven and it's continually being updated uh, just simply because the Israelis are under a constant attack in some shape, form or fashion, and the technique is being used every day. Um, and I know through our organization, um, we do get updates on the material and techniques as it goes. So in case, okay, this, this needed to be updated for this reason. This is why we're teaching it just simply because it's the most effective way. Um, I know for me personally, when I'm teaching the methods or teaching it, I'm 100% comfortable in teaching my students or anyone who will listen, knowing that it's effective, it's proven, and it works. Um, agreed on the, the weapon side of it. If there's any time you can um, peacefully um, de-escalate a situation, that's obviously always the, uh, the method you want to take. Uh, even if it, it takes, you know, swallowing some pride on something, um, at the end of the day, they're just words from somebody that you don't know and is probably in a bad situation and it's nothing personal. Um, but it, the most important thing at the end of the day is to go home to your family. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that if, if, you know, if a weapon does get introduced and I'm hearing more of this all the time, especially in my classes, um, you know, just, you know, weapons showing up in schools. Uh, we had it in one of our local high schools where somebody let a kid into, into the high school who didn't even go there. He was high school age, but just somebody happened to find one of his posts on social media of him brandishing a handgun in his waistband in a crowded cafeteria. Oh my God. And when somebody found that, you know, he had he had posted from there, they immediately went to the school authorities and the school authorities called the police and they handled it absolutely beautifully. But those several hundred kids in that cafeteria had no clue that one day they'd walk into school and some kid would be there that they don't know that has a handgun. Yeah, that's you know, terrifying. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. So there's more and more weapons that you never know about that are out there. Um, you know, it's, uh, I'll joke with my students many times. Uh, one of my favorite motivational speakers, his name is Les Brown. And one of his, during one of his speeches that I was listening to, he said something that stuck with me over the years. And, you know, he'd always talk about because he was a radio man. And he would say that it's always best uh, to be prepared and not have to use your skill than have to use your skill and not be prepared. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why I keep joking. Usually it's my, my younger students that will say, well, this never happened. Why are we practicing it? Why are we practicing this? I said, because it might. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where I, I take a lot of that self-defense stuff extremely seriously because um, I know that when my students walk out the door that I am comfortable that they could handle and protect themselves. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
it sounds like it definitely helps um, with some uh, supplementation of uh, of self defense training um, because taekwondo can be great against um, a, a single attacker. Um, especially if you've got distance to use your uh, kicks, you know, if you've got your hands maybe from boxing, but when you introduce a weapon, most general Taekwondo is not going to really be effective against it because we don't ever train for anything like that in a typical Taekwondo setting. So. Correct. Um, and, and I guess the, 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 the cross training, if you will, um, because the Krav Maga teaches a lot of the very same things that we do every day. So we kind of put everything together. So with, there's lots of boxing in, in Krav Maga. Um, we teach kicking and knees and so on in Krav Maga, just like we would in Taekwondo. <clears throat> and then we add the, the weapons. I know many times, <clears throat> excuse me, in many traditional martial arts, they like to keep the history or tradition in there and teach. Uh, a lot of old style weapons and so on. Um, And I absolutely love that. I think that that's a a valuable piece of it. Um, But for me personally, I've, I've chosen the path that I, if I am going to teach weapons or teach weapon defenses, it'll be weapons that I would be able to use on the street. If I walked out my front door. Or if somebody might use it on you, like no one's going to come up to you with a pair of size or like, uh, or <laughs> no one's coming up to you with nunchucks. <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah, it's, it's funny because I had to, I was, you know, I was doing a community event one time and I had a, a, a young man come up to me and he's asking me about the self-defense side of it, teaching what we teach. And uh, he was very, very proud of himself and saying that, yeah, he goes, I don't believe in gun disarms. I don't believe in any of these other things. He goes, I believe in swords. <laughs> I believe in swords. <laughs> All right. So you get to walk around town carrying a sword. No. So why do you believe in him then? And he couldn't give me a good answer. Um, to the point where he just wanted to let me know that he had some some form of sword training in a martial art program that he did, but couldn't tell me how that would effectively help him in a certain way just kind of made me giggle. I said, I believe in swords. So good for you, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. Swords are fun, but, um, I, they're not, they're, I, they're not a very good, uh, self-defense tool in a modern world with, uh, guns. I've got guns and pepper spray and tasers, all of which a sword is pretty useless against. Correct. (laughs) Yeah, he just made me giggle. He, he he made me laugh that day. Yeah. Um. Now another part about Krav Maga that I'm interested to hear your take on, um, which is sometimes an issue with with a lot of um self defense training, and that is how do you practice? How do you practice um the getting the muscle memory of a technique that's supposed to say break somebody's arm, if in class you're not breaking anybody's arm. Right. Correct. Because if you're always training to kind of pull the punch, basically, um, how do you get over that? And how do you know that you're actually going to be able to do it for real if the situation comes up? Right. Correct. Great question. Um, there's lots of times we go through, especially with techniques um, and the same thing in Taekwondo and Krav Maga. Uh, we call them dry runs. Um, so we'll go through the technique. 
good 10 times before we actually ever put our hands on somebody. Um, and then as we go to work the technique on going live, um, we'll go slow. Um, cause that's, that's one thing, especially, you know, whenever we do a knife defense or a stick defense, there are times where you could hyperextend that elbow pretty quickly and really, really hurt somebody uh, inadvertently. Right. So many times where we spend, we put the focus on one is the speed of the defense. Okay. So if somebody is swinging a stick at me overhead is stepping in and doing a strong block. So most of the times, if you're doing your techniques correctly and you go home at the end of the night, you're going to have bruises up and down your forearm. Uh, if you've done that correctly. Now, once it comes time to actually take the weapon away, that's where you actually kind of slow down because that's where the arm hyperextends or the joints are put in compromising positions. Um, we do try to train at speed. Um, so for instance, if you're swinging that stick at me, I'm moving in as fast as I would if it were for real. Um, I'm just not going to make contact with you when I kick you to the groin or I throw an elbow towards your face. I'm just going to miss on purpose. So it's, it's a kind of a fine balance, um, where you got to keep safety in there, uh, so that you don't actually hurt somebody and work at the speed that you would, but it's, we find that it's, it, it works well if you do several dry runs so that you get the technique. Then when you go with your partner, you go slow and then you, you speed up as you get going. That makes sense. And, and speeding it up uh, allows you to have, to, it kind of puts that, uh, speeding up kind of puts that pressure testing on it. Um, though, I, I mean, and that's the thing with any kind of martial art that deals with any kind of quote, like deadly strikes. Um, anything or not deadly, but anything that's going to that's uh, intended to seriously injure somebody in any martial art that it, it doesn't get that pressure testing that it really needs. Like where you're in the moment, you can't think you've got to do it. Um, a lot of martial arts have that pressure testing, but in the non-deadly or the non-injury uh, focused techniques, where like in Taekwondo, in sparring you know, you're being pressure tested there. You are, you, you don't have to, you can't stop and you're like, wait, time out. You, they're kicking at you. You got to block it. <laughs> and so I, I, it's just, it sounds like a, like a difficult balance to strike, uh, no pun intended, um, to, uh, to, in any kind of martial art or self-defense training where your intent is to hurt somebody else. Yeah, I w maybe in the future we'll have robots that are that we can break like humans. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Correct. I bet we could reach out to somebody and have that. Yeah. That yeah, have uh, have some special effects guys make you a prop arm that you can put a knife in and just you know break it. <laughs> yeah, but I serious, it is a challenge. It's it's a challenge to practice any kind of. Uh, injury focused technique, um, to, to know that you're practicing it effectively, because I, I mean, in my mind, I wonder if you might be practicing it slightly off, like you might be slightly wrong and you would never get that feedback until you go to try to do it. And it doesn't quite work the way it's supposed to. But I, as long as you've got other stuff in your, in your back pocket to defend yourself, I suppose that you know, in combination, it could still work out. Yes. Um, and, and I always try to, to do the same with, with all of my students, whether it's, you know, the Krav Maga or the, the Taekwondo students that we have, um, there's many times where I'll just kind of tell them that because our classes are very loud, they're very silly. 
Um, I like to have a lot of fun when I'm teaching. Um, but I always like to circle back around and focus on why we're training. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to be hurting somebody at the end of it. Um, because if it comes down to me protecting my family or somebody hurting them, I'm always going to protect my family and hurt them. And it's, it, it's kind of a weird, kind of a personal thing for me is, is as I was coming up through a lot of my training, I found myself angry a lot, um, just kind of going through the scenarios of what could always happen. Um, you know, my family and I, you know, we go out to dinner. It's to the point now where my wife's now, she doesn't laugh at me anymore. She always gave me a hard time. But um, I always know that in a restaurant, my back needs to be against a wall and I need to see the front door. And it's to the point now where everybody knows where to go sit. It's because if somebody walks in and there's something that happens, I need to engage in some short, some shape, form or fashion, and I need to see what's coming. Um, you know, if we're working, walking along, you know, on a street, I'm going to put my wife or my family on a certain side of me so that I can guard them from the street or from somebody moving forward. So it's, I found myself angry all the time as I was going through my training. So I'll joke with my, with my students many times. So I want our class to be fun. I want it to be silly. However, in the back of your head, you need to know why we're training and that this could be life or death at some point for us. Um, it's, it's, it's an interesting mix of things. Cause I know, cause my, my studio is, is in a relatively nice part of town and there's been a number of bad things that have happened there over the years. And it's eye opening to them because most of them come from nice parts of town. And so this happens in our neighborhoods. You know, it's not like something you see on the news in some third world country. It's right here in, in town. And it, it brings the, the realism back, uh, if you will, as to what we do. Yeah, absolutely. So you have now trained in, in boxing, Taekwondo, and Krav Maga. Is there, is there anything else that I'm missing that you've done any training in? Uh, other, than, other than handgun and long gun or weapons training. Um, okay. That is, that's about the extent of it. Okay. Um, what would, uh, what would you recommend to somebody, uh, who might be looking to supplement their, their Taekwondo training to become better at Taekwondo or maybe for self-defense? Uh, yeah, well, I would, I guess I would say it this way. It depends on what your end goal is. If it is, if it's truly self-defense, um, work on things that are going to defend you. Um, there's, there's kind of a, you know, a rule of self-defense. If there, if there are rules, it's a sport. If there's no rules, it's self-defense. So it just depends on what you want to be good at and what you're comfortable with. Um, for me, I would love to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I just know that my body won't let me do that anymore. Um, just through years of contact sports, I don't think I could do it. However, that's a legitimate fighting style when you find yourself on the ground. Um, I'm, a, I'm always a big believer of being good with your hands. Um, boxing is always a good way to supplement um, because at the very, very basics, I can throw a punch, I should be okay for a while. Um, if I can throw a kick in a taekwondo, I should be okay for a while. Um, so I would recommend supplementing something that would accomplish your goal or meet the goal that you want. 
Awesome. Well, Mr. Monahan, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate uh, your time and your insight on, in talking about this with us today. Yes, sir. Thank you. I sure enjoyed it. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Hello Taekwondo podcast. If you live in the Grapevine area here in Texas and you're interested in Taekwondo, Krav Maga, or self-defense, make sure to check out Monahan's Taekwondo. You can check them out at m-tkd.com. Again, that's m tkd.com. And remember, we're currently working on season two. If you missed the short update episode that was uploaded last week, make sure to go back and give it a listen. It's real short, just taking a moment of your time. We've got some exciting plans for the next season of the Hello Taekwondo podcast. I can't wait to share it with you. So make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss those season two episodes as they start airing. You can also subscribe at hellotaekwondo.com to get those episodes delivered straight to your inbox. Until then, keep kicking, and I'll see you on the season two premiere of the Hello Taekwondo podcast.